San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or tune in radio, you can hear the show as it airs, and all these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. And uh, time to introduce the name of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, accomplished marathon runner, best-selling author, lecturer, philanthropist, and the family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I am marvelous, Joe. Good to be here. Yeah, great. Have you avoided this little cold or sniffles or whatever's you going on? You know, I have. And I was, I was traveling with my wife, Mary. Yeah. To, uh, Durango, Colorado, and she had a bad sore throat and bad cold. Boy, I got it last. Sharing the same hotel room, and yeah. I, I haven't gotten it. I got it last Friday, a little bit scratchy throat, but I've got the uh, therapy. I think I've nailed it down now because I don't know if it was allergy or cold or whatnot, but I finally last night I took an ibuprofen and a histamine and some chocolate ice cream with root beer. And I'm there you go. <laughs> you know, I, I've met a couple of folks in my circle who wound up being pneumonia. Really? Yeah. Well, I honestly like pneumonia think, in the summertime, that sounds brutal. Well, I think a little ice cream goes a long way. And I don't even eat ice cream typically. I only when I get sick and, and soda when I get sick. So, I mean, originally Coca-Cola was for, uh, Ill, you know, yeah, dyspepsia right. and whatnot. But, and we do have a doctor in the house tonight, so. Yeah, so he can treat you. Yes, well, this is more about uh, treating above the neck. But anyway. Well, I that's want, what I meant you needed. But before we get to that, I have to thank Rena Horowitz and the Group of 12 and Sanford Burnham Prebis Medical Discovery Institute. Also, by the way, had their great uh, Fishman Fund Awards uh, event last week, and always terrific. And due to Rena getting great programs every month uh, at that institute, uh, is this is how we found our guest tonight. And he is this is a little bit of a mouthful, so stick with me, folks. He's a prof- he's a MD PhD, by the way, professor of the Department of Psychiatry and Neurosciences at UC San Diego, founding director of the UCSD Center for Advanced Treatment of Mood and Anxiety Disorders. Founding Director of UCSD Adult ADHD Program, and many, many articles and a CV as long as your arm and my arm together, Richard. But Dr. David Feifel, thank you, and welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Joe, for having me here, and Richard. Our absolute our, our pleasure. I was telling everybody that if we just read your resume, the show wouldn't even fit the whole thing in. Well, yeah, that, my, uh, uh, you can thank my mother. She's the author of the resume. Okay. <laughs> Well, you've had a long history. I guess your origin is up in Canada, David. Maybe you could tell us about your youth a little bit and where you went to school and uh, then how you found your way to San Diego. How about that for starters? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of three uh, boys and uh, youngest of three boys. And uh, went, to, uh, uh, went to school at the University of Toronto, which... Uh, uh, they like to call themselves the Harvard of the North, mm-hmm. um, and um, it's, uh, did my uh, did my undergrad work there, and uh, did my uh, uh, medical degree and uh, PhD, and then thought, gee, it might be a good thing to maybe try going somewhere else. I was I was I was very interested in uh, in uh, the brain and brain research uh, at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, and actually um, UCSD uh, was and co- uh, continues to be one of the uh, Leading places for 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 brain research, mm-hmm. and so um, I got accepted into the um, uh, residency program here at UCSD yeah. in uh, ninety 
started in 92. So uh, your bachelor's was in biology, I take it? or uh, Yes, it was a, it was a, a double major in, um, in uh, biology and neuroscience. And then master's in, and PhD in neurobiology. Correct. Is that a relatively new field? Weren't they pretty much separate, separate neurology and, 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 uh, and biology? When, when did they get uh, emerged? Um, well, I think, I think you know, as the, uh, as, as the neuroscience kind of exploded, mm-hmm. um, there's, there, you know, I think particularly in the 80s, there were increasingly, uh, you know, number of pro- increasing number of programs that were kind of uh, majors focusing on brain science. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a very po- it continues to be a very popular uh, undergrad major Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of the uh, you know major universities, it just uh, brings together a lot of different uh, areas. So and, and you run a lab that, well, it, it, well, it, I want to find out how we how we discovered San Diego. Oh, oh, what, what turned you on? Did, did did you plan to come to San Diego and then discover UCSD, or did uh, somebody? No, you, you know, uh, it was um, uh, I you know my you know my, my I was uh, relatively newly married at the time after I finished uh, my uh, my internship. In Toronto, and was looking for a place to kind of specialize in psychiatry and get involved in uh, in uh, in brain research. And um, knew we knew we wanted to go live for a few years someplace that was very different than uh, than uh, Toronto, Canada. And uh, sort of, I, I remember going on an interview tour. Started off, uh, you know, at Harvard, uh, which was very nice, and actually got offered a, a spot in the residency program there. And mm-hmm. I called my wife and I said. Good news, you know. I got a I got a spot here. Bad news. It's it's not doesn't seem that much different than Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty and much it, the same cold weather. It mm-hmm. is. Uh, it really is. And then uh, uh, went over to um, New Haven. Mm-hmm. Same kind of deal. They offered mm-hmm. me a position, and but but it just you know. And then uh, then uh, Stanford was the third stop, and I said, honey, forget those other places. This is by this was by the way in January. So uh-huh, uh-huh. I got out with Sunny. I said this is the place. <laughs> and then uh, the last place was uh, was UCSD. And I got out, uh, came to La Jolla, and I said forget it, everything else. <laughs> this is the place we're coming. <laughs> and it's I, I got to tell you, for somebody in my field, it is really um, sort of uh, just sort of a dream place because uh, you know so we we all recognize the sort of the, the physical beauty and the climate that's just spectacular, but to have that and to be in my profession where this is also a mecca for neuroscience and brain research and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, biotech, uh, you know, it's, it's, you can't ask for more. So and, of course, recently we had the Big Brain Initiative. You know, we had Pradeep Kosal on the show right. and, and Dr. Ralph Greenspan. Dr. Greenspan was and on not I that know, long ago. And I guess the White House got behind a big uh, yep. initiative and right. spending a lot of money now on a, 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 brain uh, mapping. Yeah. So that's the whole, the whole deal there. So, yeah. well— Fortunate, yeah, isn't that something? You, you know, Erwin uh, Jacobs told the story. He, um, he was he was offered a position to start the engineering department here, and he initially turned it down because he was back at MIT. And uh, I guess three days later, he got caught in a torrential downpour, <laughs> <laughs> and he went home and asked his wife. He was drenched through the suit, and he goes, "I wonder if that offer is still open." So, <laughs> so thank God for bad weather. Yes. So we get all these brain, these great brains out here in, in San Diego. So, uh, well, I think I think the environment though fosters the thinking and creativity though too. Yeah, I think that's I think true. It does. I think it's true. I think it's sort of a more you know just a freer. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, you know uh, environment uh, you know both in terms of your you know your your mobility and go out and to mm-hmm. move around. Plus, it promotes physical exercise and moving around and absolutely being in and nature go, and going down to the beach. Sometimes you get some of your best thoughts just walking along the ocean yeah, there, absolutely. rather rather than shoveling. It's hard to snow. think creative thoughts when you're shoveling eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your brain is freezing. <laughs> 
So, um, but anyway, so when you first got here, what did you, what did you specialize in, or what were your first uh, areas of interest? Well, you know, I, I when I came down, I thought I was really going to not be uh, ultimately ending up treating patients, but really focusing on research because that was really my interest. I really wanted to to you know, do a deep dive into into the brain, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and so sort of sort of going through the residency was sort of my way to develop sort of the background that would really allow me to 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 do you know. Uh, you know, medical research uh, with you know relevancy to, to treating patients, but I, but the but the truth is, uh, um, along the way, I really kind of fell in love with uh, the clinical aspect mm-hmm. of psychiatry, and I was uh, really uh, um, my my, you know, my eyes were open to the fact that um, that that you know you, you could, that first of all that mental illness is so prevalent. Uh, I think people do not realize uh, just how prevalent it I is. Twenty percent at any one given time, right? Don't Absolutely. You, you think? Yeah. And then, and then also that uh, that that you know that that the, the proper treatment can make a, a huge impact on on people's uh, people's lives. So I then had a dilemma because my you know my my plan to kind of you know, put aside clinical work after I finished my residency and focus just purely on on on, on basic research. Uh, now, um, you know, was thwarted, and I loved both of those. So <laughs> I, spent, I think I've been spending the rest of, uh, rest of my career trying to, to do both and balance both, which has, been, uh, which has been ill-advised by all my mentors, but actually turned out to be uh, really a wonderful thing. And so I, how many clinical trials do you think since uh, 94, before we take our break? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I, 80, I, I, stopped putting, I stopped putting the clinical trials on my, on my CV because they were just so many, but I probably uh, did close to 100. We'll be back with Dr. David Fife for more about psychiatry at UCSD right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with Dr. David Feifel, MD, PhD. What show is that from, Justin? Which? Saint Elsewhere, Joe. Saint Elsewhere. Saint okay. Elsewhere. Big medical show. Yeah, I, I, I grew up watching it. How about that? Well, that was just in your honor, David. We played that oh, for you. Thank so. you. Doing, the, doing the medical music. <laughs> Joe, I have but, to say this word on air because this is the longest word we've ever said on air. Which is and Dr. Feifel runs a laboratory, but it is neuropsycho. Pharmacology. <laughs> Neuropsychology. I think it's 23 letters, I think. I can count. Uh, Psych out. Neuropsychopharmacology. That is the longest word either of us have ever spoken on air. Well, wow. we reflect on You're that a while. Let's see if we can get some findings here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Fa, I know you've been involved with many, many, many uh, clinical trials. Uh, any recent breakthroughs or anything that, you know, before we get into some of the history of, of psychiatry, but um, anything you want to talk about that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm actually, um, this, is a, this is actually a very exciting time in psychiatry, and, uh, and I, I, that's, that really wasn't, uh, you know, I think, true throughout my career. Mm-hmm. But I think in the last um, decade, maybe a little bit longer, we, we've seen really new modalities of treatment. One of them um, is the, uh, is the, what we call, neuro, generally we call it neuromodulation, uh, specifically one, one form of that, which, which is uh, something we use a lot. It's called transcranial magnetic stimulation, and it's the it's a, it's a really a paradigm shift from from treating uh, neuro- psychiatric disorders through either talk therapy or medications uh, to to treating them with sort of directly uh, you know uh, physically stimulating different brain cells that are not working properly to try and kind of normalize them. It's really a now whoever of, thought magnet magnetism would affect the the brain uh, matter. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of interesting. It goes back it goes back 
into the 19th century, uh, a, a uh, scientist by the name of Michael Faraday uh, discovered Faraday's concept, which is that, that you know, you can, you can co- anything that can conduct electrical impulses, you can induce uh, uh, electrical current uh, if you put a pulsed magnet I- in proximity to it. Huh. And if you've ever seen those, um, you know, science fairs where kids are, you know, riding a bicycle and generating, uh, you know, light mm-hmm. and a light bulb, that's because they're, they're, turning, they're turning a magnet around the copper wire. Uh-huh. Uh, brain is a brain is really a, a big uh, bowl of, uh, of of organic biological wires, uh, eighty billion uh, nerve cells that are basically they they fire and that's how they talk to each other. Hmm. And somebody had the bright idea uh, of well, you know, if, if if Faraday's law says that we can do this with anything that can conduct, um, we can do this with uh, with brain cells. And sure enough. Uh, so it's they, been proven true. So they kind of isolated the part of the brain that that is associated with depression, and they're exactly. So 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 the you know the 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 uh, the important uh, missing uh, concept here is that um, every psychiatric illness is uh, is associated with a pattern of abnormal brain firing in certain areas of the brain. Mm. So so you know if you look at PTSD, if you look at depression and we do scans we see that there are certain areas that are implicated that are either firing too too much or firing too little is this uh, mris you're looking at or what are they what, or pet scans or uh, pet scans or something called functional mris okay which is different than just sort of taking a kind of a static so snapshot. i'm sure you look at a healthy brain first and then you look at a depressed uh, several exactly. depressed brains and you right. go well, where do these have in common right. and then what can we do to try to get this and, back to normal does this extend to schizophrenia too absolutely that, okay yes and so the idea was, well, you know, we can, uh, if we can target those areas, let's, so let's say, you know, depression, we'll take depression as an example, because that's the, that's the area that's most advanced, and that's the area mm-hmm. that we actually have FDA approval for in terms mm-hmm. of uh, devices that are treated. There, you know, on the, on the left side towards the front, there's an area called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. Okay. It's a very important area for, for you know, uh, emotional regulation and other things. And in uh, and it's known that in people with depression it tends to be underactive, and and it's known that the more active it is, the more resilient people are to uh, depression. And so the current uh, FDA-approved devices for treating depression target specifically that part of the brain, and they, what they do is over time they use they use uh, you know uh, uh, a type of um, magnetic pulses that are called high frequency, meaning you get an, a, a lot of pulses. Uh, in a short period of time versus low frequency, which can do a different thing to the brain. And the high frequency uh, pulses over time will increase uh, the activity of that, that area. So let me ask you, is that the part of the brain that, that releases dopamine or endorphins or anything like that? And is that underactive in depressed patients? Or? Yeah, for, it, it is underactive, and dopamine is, is one of the neurotransmitters, but there are many others that, that are involved in that area. So the magnetism stimulates the brain to, to help release, uh, I guess, get it in a more of a normal mode compared to other people That's right. who aren't depressed. And, yeah. and, it's a, and it's really a question of, uh, of uh, you know, over time, because so, it does take... Uh, several weeks for for these changes to be sustainable in the brain to start firing more and so on. The the, the analogy I give to the, my patients it's sort of like uh, imagine a, a sort of an out of shape sedentary uh, person who you know there's no way that person is going to spontaneously go to the gym and start exercising. It's uh, it's uh, you know uh, too unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. It's it's they're, they're, it's going to be too too uncomfortable because of their their out of shapes. So you need you need to get a trainer. 
you know, that drags them out of off the couch, Make takes them to the gym, exactly. First step, right? Exactly, and gets them to do it, and they do it over and over again every day, every day. You know, three or four weeks go by, and, and they're that, feeling better. They're feeling better. They're yeah. liking how they feel. It's not such a big deal to actually go and do the exercises because they feel that they are now in shape and they and they and they feel confident to do. The, the trainer doesn't show up. One day, you know, there's a good chance that 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 person is going to go on their own. Yeah, and that's sort of what we do with the with the brain. Every day, we coax those brain cells that are not firing enough to 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 fire. Now, but do you, do you start with other therapies first? Talk therapy, medication, or or in other words, is that part of a sequence? It it, it, it is it is part of a sequence. Uh, it doesn't have to be. I mean, I think you know, I think in reality, it's a, it's a perfectly valid alternative to depression. And probably, uh, to, sorry, to medications, and probably more effective than medications. But because of the cost, um, you know, it is positioned. Uh, you know, uh, for example, in, by in, in approval of insurance companies, require that patients first have tried talk therapy mm-hmm. and at least four uh, antidepressant medications before the, the the average insurance company will will approve a patient to go through this. Well, you've had FDA approval, so you must have had positive results. Oh, with yes. It. Now, right. how, how, how long is the treatment and over what length? How many treatments before you start to really see some improvement? Well, the say? standard course of, of treatment is um, four to six, thir- 30 treatments. Right? We, we mm-hmm. usually... Uh, UCSD recommend 30 treatments or daily treatments Monday to Friday. Wow. So it takes six weeks. Okay. Um, and then if if patients are doing really well, we'll take a couple more weeks and sl- and, and, and and then they put this, down. They put this uh, device on their head, right? It looks like a helmet, right? right. And uh, how long does that one treatment take? An hour? Or so? Yeah, actually, one treatment only takes about uh, uh, 25 minutes. Huh. Um, so they so you, so we come in every day, and it's a 25 minute treatment. Um, and it's a, you know you, there's no anesthetic you're not put to sleep mm-hmm. you're you're fully awake non invasive non invasive uh, most patients no pain no no pain there there sometimes as as patients are getting used to it maybe for the first one or two sessions it's they they have an odd sensation they, most patients will say it feels like a, a woodpecker sort of you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on my skull. But then, you know, by the third session, how would you know what a woodpecker in your skull? Yeah, <laughs> I guess anyway, I, I guess they're sort of imagining <laughs> what a woodpecker would uh, would feel like. Um, now, have you had some luck with uh, PTSD or anything other than depression? Yes. Just... Well, uh, so, so you know, depression is the is the is the is the one area that has the most scientific uh, backing. Mm-hmm. But there are studies now that support PTSD. OC, obsessive compulsive disorder, addiction, bipo- schizophrenia, bipolar too. Absolutely, we we actually do treat a lot of bipolar patients. Isn't that uh, great? Isn't and that great? Uh, I I really think that this you know I I, I it, this may not be you know the end of medications, but it's the end of the monopoly of medications in our field of psychiatry. Well, well you know, I would certainly be willing to try that before before meds. You know, because mm-hmm. obviously there. You know, you always hear about side effects with, with meds, and there may be some with this as well. But um, obviously, much fewer. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's exciting news. So, so how many? There's been studies all over the country going on. All uh, over the country, globally, internationally. Maybe? In fact, in fact, in the uh, uh, in Europe, it's already got approval for a slew of um, different disorders, uh, including. Uh, uh, Parkinson's disease, um, uh, including uh, PTSD and obsessive compulsive disorder, um, and even uh, and even some some benefits are starting to be seen for autism. Things that you know we weren't able to uh, to help before. There's some interesting research coming out that it can be effective for treating uh, you know, schizophrenia. And for example, in schizophrenia, where 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 one of the main uh, features is you know uh, hearing. 
hearing voices, auditory hallucinations, mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the coil, uh, uh, the successful treatment places the coil over the area of the brain that generates sort of the, you know, uh, um, these, these uh, uh, voices. Uh, right? voices. It's mm -hmm. actually the same area that is right now decoding and interpreting uh, my, uh, my speech uh, to your brain and making sense out of it. Mm -hmm. People with schizophrenia, uh, that brain, uh, that area of the brain is spontaneously overactive, so it generates uh, speech when nobody's actually talking. And so in that, in, in, in that treatment, we actually target that area and lower uh, the activity by using low frequency, and over time, that area of the brain decreases. Now, that's not wow. FDA approved yet. It's still investigational, but a lot of these approvals are really have just have to do with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, funding uh, and getting... Uh, and getting uh, uh, people to you know fund the, fund well, the research. All right, so we'll explore more of this when we come right back with Dr. David Feifel, MD, PhD from UCSD, Department of Psychiatry. Hang on. All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. A big thank you to our sponsors, as always. Could not do this show without UBS, Mr. Michael Quaranta, who I just had lunch with the other day. So big thank you to UBS and Michael Quaranta. Also, our favorite CPAs on the planet. We've got two of them, Polito Epic CPAs, a more traditional CPA firm with Paul Polito and Don Ep Epic, and a great CFO service all along the West Coast, Signature Analytics. And Jason Kruger, their CFO is going to—I mean, their their CEO is going to be a guest here in October on our show. Great CFO company. Also, Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Recent guest Brenda Geiger with the Geiger Law Office, specializing in asset protection and estate planning. And of course, Brenda also has a really cool car festival coming up on October seventh. There's some information on our website. She inherited a GTO, so there's going to be some collectible cars at a really neat event where we talk about how to use asset protection to minimize the risk of owning expensive vehicles. Also, our favorite bankers, California Republic Bank with Sean Puckett and Lane Elliott. Sean, of course, um, just raised a bunch of money for Boys to Men with um, his surfing venture, 100 Waves in One Day. That is a Herculean effort. So way to go, Sean, with that. A great niche market bank, California Republic Bank, serving wealthy families and family offices. Also, Neil Staley with Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance, a great employee benefits firm. A lot of open enrollment coming up here around December 1st. So if you're looking to make some improvements in your employee benefits, Hub International. Also, the LG Experience in the Lombardi Group, helping to make heroes out of wealth advisors to the CPAs that serve wealthy clients. Paul Hines. Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul, of course, heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial elder abuse. Also, our favorite mortgage broker, Nathan Watkins, just moved to a new company. More on that in a week or two. And a couple of more recent sponsors. One is sort of a repeat sponsor, Carl Sheeler, our great valuation expert, now doing a great new charity in Colorado called <coughs> Two Bears Ranch. Check out that website where he's using equine therapy for veterans with PTSD, and last but certainly not least, Michelle St. Clair, recent guest, with Elite Lifestyle Management. If you need to find a way to ship your pet pig from California to Kansas or any other unique need of your unique lifestyle, highly recommend Elite Lifestyle Management. 
Since it's almost lunchtime, Joe, I'm getting hungry. What else can we talk about? Well, our other sponsors are Barry Good Food Foundation, Michelle Ciccarelli Lirac, and uh, all the great work that they do. They all have a show coming up in the last quarter about uh, seafood and what's going on with uh, that industry and field. And then also the Patio Group and Gina Champion Kane with all her great restaurants, uh, the Patio on Goldfinch, the Patio on Lamont, uh, serve, um, the, the one in Liberty Station Fireside is terrific. And uh, many, many other Saskas. And uh, and, and the uh, only reason to go to Petco Park. Uh, yes, in left field. Is watching the Padres. Yes. And then, of course, there's Lestat's Coffee Houses, uh, the original in uh, Normal Heights, University Heights, and uh, newly opened, the one in Hillcrest on University. Uh, always great coffee, great food, great atmosphere, and always crowded. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we thank all of them. And, Richard, I know if uh, people go over to our website at iymoney.com and click on the Sponsor tab, uh, all the information about our sponsors is right there. And I know many have been working with you f- with many, for many years with great success, right? That's right. Some cool stuff up there. And I've known some of these folks are going on 30 years. Way too long. Way too long. <laughs> Start talking about it in decades, not Yes, years. sir. But anyway, back to our special guest, Dr. David Feifel from the UCSD Department of Psychiatry. We were talking about uh, some recent breakthroughs in, in there's another one with uh, ketamine that uh, I think he wanted to discuss. What can you tell us about that, David? Well, that's a very interesting, uh, unexpected breakthrough in the field of psychiatry. Uh, ketamine is a, uh, is, a, is a drug that's been uh, around and FDA approved for, for decades, since the 60s, uh, as an anesthetic. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a kind of unique anesthetic uh, because what it does is it has what's called a dissociative effect where it kind of uh, disconnects people's consciousness from the sensation of their body. So uh, they can be aware of, uh, let's say, uh, you know, a, a, a surgical procedure, but they don't uh, necessarily feel that sort of, a, the, 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 they don't feel the pain the same way emotionally that uh, they, they would otherwise. So it's kind of always recognized to be a kind of a unique uh, drug. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it also, uh, uh, for better or for worse, has also uh, become... Uh, a somewhat popular street drug that goes by the name Special K because it, it produces a kind of a, a, a euphoric hallucinatory effect that uh, that I guess um, uh, you know uh, you know rave party goers liked. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting in terms of the field of psychiatry is that uh, several years ago there was a small study done just uh, out of scientific interest to see what. Uh, you know, ketamine would do to people with really, really severe depression, the kind of depression that hasn't responded to uh, other kinds of uh, treatments like medications mm-hmm. and uh, uh, therapy uh, because, because the interest really was because ketamine works through a different set of brain chemicals than all the current antidepressants. And, it was, and the results were quite shocking in that uh, after a single infusion of uh, ketamine, a 40-minute infusion, a large percentage of these really, really difficult depression cases uh, felt their depression go away. And, huh. and what's even more remarkable, something because we just don't usually see in the field of psychiatry, was, was for many patients, it, it went away within 24 hours. Huh. So, but did you have to have continuing treatment then? No. So um, that's the interesting thing is um, at least, at least uh, let, me, let me clarify that. You know, the, you know, the, 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 the depression went away after the ketamine mm-hmm. infusion continued to be you know, stopped. So ketamine was no longer in our system. However, um, a single infusion uh, you know, didn't, didn't cure people. Um, eventually, uh, after several days or a couple weeks at the most, people started to feel the depression coming back. But this uh, has now been replicated in other studies, 
and um, now uh, is considered to be one of the most exciting breakthroughs in the field of psychiatry because because the truth be known that you know for 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 decades really uh, our field was considered to be sort of in sort of a, a, a quagmire where we weren't really making any progress we were having new antidepressants come out but they really weren't any more effective and they were sort of you know working on the same small set of brain chemicals and this is completely different uh, nothing we have nothing that works as quickly as this we have nothing that works uh, on on this on this group of hardcore patients who don't respond to anything else, and um, while while the, you know the uh, sort of psychiatry establishment I think you know is cautious and wants to study this very slowly, um, uh, there are um, you know a lot of uh, actual clinicians like myself who've started to offer it for patients. I, I actually back in 2010 I said you know you know. This is too important to withhold from patients. So yeah. I started a program uh, under the uh, auspices of UCSD. Are they encouraged to to examine lifestyle as well, diet, exercise, and things like that in conjunction with with treatment? Is that assessed at all with the patients, or are they... I think in a good assessment, that's always part of it. Um, you know, you look at the whole patient and, and and try to find out. I mean, if they're eating a carton of sugar a day or something, I mean, or some other bad, you know, maybe cigarette addiction or whatever. I mean, who knows? Right. I mean. It's all or, I think, or substance abuse, alcohol. Who knows? Oh, of right? course, that yeah. can play. A, all those things can contribute. Um, so I think you know, by the time patients get to the cons- point of considering ketamine, they've already gone through the the, the talk therapies. Mm-hmm. They've seen. Uh, they they they've they've, they've been on a n- number of medications, upwards of uh, ten or more. Uh, they've they've been to chiropractors. They've been to homeopaths. They've been to nutritionists. You know, I have patients who've. Will try have tried everything and nothing's worked, and uh, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, ketamine is just this this really remarkable thing. And what's what's also remarkable is, you know, it has to be administered, uh, you know, in a in a controlled setting. It's not something you get, you 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 do at home. You, yeah. you know, you do it in a, in a controlled doctor's office or in a hospital because people actually have a uh, you know a a mild psychedelic trip. Um, uh, while they're getting the medication. And I know a lot of uh, well-known people, I think, was it Walter Crowley? Mike Wallace, I think, suffered depression. I think That's he correct. was just suicidal. A lot, a lot of notable people who you think, gee, they've got the you know the world going for them, but, uh, you know, it's a real problem. Oh, anyway, very prevalent. Yeah, we'll be right back with Dr. David Feifel after this break. Hang on. with Dr. David Feifel. Everyone remembers MASH. Dr. Feifel remembers MASH. Yep. That's why we played for him. You said this uh, show inspired you? Absolutely. I, I loved MASH, and it really, uh, it, it, I, th- I think it was a major uh, influence in terms of me wanting to be a, uh, a physician. Yeah, boy, talk about working under trying circumstances. Watching a lot of TV isn't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, I think TV was a lot better back then. I mean, there are some specialized shows, but uh, it seemed it was, there were more... Uh, you know, now we're getting these Dancing with the Stars and, yeah. and, and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I hate reality Re- TV. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I do not want to have I mean, no interest in other I mean, people's bring, lives. Bring I'm back sorry. Carol Burnett. You know, I'm watching Johnny Carson. I'm sorry. He's on uh, <laughs> He's on attendant TV, and I'm watching Johnny Carson a lot. So uh, I've been but, watching one of your favorites, Joe, on, on Netflix, mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin. Oh, there you go. I, I, think we're, I think we're starting to sound like a really bunch of old <laughs> exactly. people here. Lament, lamenting yeah. for the old yeah, days. Exactly. Well, but, but speaking know. of the new days, we wanted to talk about AD. 
ADHD? Yes, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and mostly you associate that with childhood, but uh, it's also adolescent and adult. So what can you tell but, us but about that? Can I ask that? a question related to that? Because I've noticed this in a lot of people in my age group in the 50s. Nobody in my age group has an attention span anymore because everything we do is like sound bites and devices and so fast. Is our technology encouraging? That's a very, very interesting question, uh, and is actually a, uh, a, a, a source of scientific inquiry. And, uh, and I could say that there is actually evidence that, um, that, that the um, electronic uh, revolution, the mm-hmm. digital revolution, you know, uh, is affecting uh, you know, the brains of new generations and making it more difficult them, for them to sustain attention. In fact, um, even in fact, converse, I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I've done I've done some studies in, in in rats where we've simulated the kind of the fast pace, uh, you know, uh, change of of novel stimuli as as these uh, as as rats were 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 just juveniles and growing up and founding that in, in adulthood, they were not able to do tasks that required attention uh, as good as their counterparts who uh, who didn't have that kind of exposure. So there is. A fair amount of uh, I think no I think it's not conclusive but if there's a fair amount of information uh, or, or evidence that just especially in the young kids and I, and I and I see I see young kids who you know are in front of uh, uh, you know an iPad or a, a smartphone all yeah. the time and it really it, it really does affect their their, their very uh, you know uh, um, sensitive brains at that at that stage. Mm-hmm. So ADHD, what are they doing to uh, help? Uh, Turn that around. Well, so so I think the the one of the uh, big uh, epiphanies, if you will, in psychiatry, uh, which occurred uh, starting in the uh, starting in the eighties, really, um, was a, was the recognition that 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 adults had ADHD as well. You're right, Joe. It, uh, up, up until that point, it was really associated as a childhood condition, and the idea of adult ADHD was an oxymoron because mm-hmm. you know. Uh, 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 experts felt that kids just grew out of it, um, and then it was recognized by some of these um, some of these academic groups that had these kids they were following into teenagehood and adulthood that they still f- exhibited a lot of the characteristics. And maybe not the actual motor hyperactivity they're moving around, but they had a lot of the difficulty in focusing and concentrating and staying on task. Mm-hmm. And eventually, uh, the evidence uh, uh, grew so that the official, you know, American Psychiatric Association and all the Official bodies recognized that this could continue into adulthood. This was just at a time where I was in my residency, and I remember being a chief resident and having this patient who I couldn't really, you know, she was really bright, and I couldn't explain, uh, you know, the difficulties that she was having in life by any of the existing uh, diagnoses. And then I was reading about the new recognition that adult ADHD can occur in adults, and it fit her perfectly. And I diagnosed her with that, and we put her on uh, the uh, the, tr- the medications for for ADHD, and she had a remarkable turnaround. And and uh, and uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, you know, I suddenly then became the resident expert uh, in my department uh, on adult ADHD, and got all these patients. And at first, I was no, 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 you don't understand. I mean, this was just you know one thing because uh, I did a, a case conference on it and presented mm-hmm. it to my colleagues. But then I said, you know, this could be really fun. This is sort of a a, a new a new field, and uh, I started. Um, um, back in the 90s, uh, a, a, a clinic devoted specifically to adult ADHD. And it's been really, really fun and interesting because, um, because it, uh, one of the really positive things is that the medication for ADHD 
is so uh, successful, so much more so than for other things like schizophrenia or or um, depression or bipolar disorder. So you can really turn people's lives around, and, and the medication and what, really and, are. And what are the medications? Uh, what are the names? Uh, you, you know, they go by uh, the brand names that you might have heard of: Adderall, uh, Vyvanse, uh, Concerta, Ritalin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, dext- you know these are these are actually uh, uh, st- stimulant medication. They go in the classification of stimulant medication. But what they actually do is they stimulate the frontal part of the brain that's underactive in people with ADHD. And that's something that's kind of it's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? Because you. But you, Joe, if you yeah. don't believe Dr. Feifel, just watch Donald Trump try to do a speech. Before <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's help for him. But <laughs> Oh, wait, we're not supposed to talk about politics. <laughs> no, Sorry. We're not, but uh, you couldn't resist, I know. I could not resist. <laughs> I made that mistake you're, you're, the other you're, day. You're a deplorable. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I don't know it's which big, bucket, but it, it's a big basket. It's yeah, a big it's basket. It's a big basket. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so, let's see here ADHD and then uh, insomnia. A lot of people have trouble with that. You're having some uh, success in insomnia. But could I ask about insomnia, too? Don't you think our devices contribute to that? <laughs> Absolutely, you know we we, we you know we ha- we are now really a twenty four seven culture. Like always on it's call. Always always there. Your brain can be kind of stimulated any at any time, and it's and it makes it very difficult to turn off. And what happens is, you know, our our, our brains, uh, you know, sort of our creatures or organs of habit, if you will, and they like a kind of a routine, and they like to kind of you know, I mean, you know, if you if you go back to primitive times, the sunset. There was really nothing to do. Yeah. You know, our hormones sort of uh, were, were, were trained to, to kick in when, when darkness set in. And, you know, we became sleepy and we slept. And, you know, and then, you know, uh, uh, you know at, the, at the first break of dawn, you know, our, our, the cycle re- of our hormones. I recommend would, a sleep mask. And if you're flying on a plane, whatever, sleep mask sometimes. So, you know, you cover your eyes, Richard, right? right? I think that can Yeah, but I, I recommend not looking at your email before and, you go Well, I, sh- I shut my phone off at night. I don't know what, if every, don't, don't you do that? Maybe doctors cannot because they've got to be on call. But, uh, <laughs> but Richard, do you, sh- do you leave your phone on at night? I guess I'll No, I, I try to turn it off uh, with no, regularity. You try. you try to. I do. Yeah, and I'm usually pretty good about it. No, okay. All right. I mean, unless I'm expecting somebody to call. Well, I just like once once the lights go out, you know, once you go to bed, that's it. You no one should be waking you up at three in the morning. No, I do or not something. leave it on while I sleep. Okay. Oh, that's that's probably right. a good practice. I wish I could say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I follow that, but it's true. I mean, I think I think a lot of insomnia is sort of behavioral, meaning you know these 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 bad habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they we we don't differentiate between you know shutting down time. It's and 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 alert time they they bleed into each other and and if you send if you send a patient with insomnia to a, a sleep expert that's one of the first things that they will do they will talk about what's called sleep hygiene mm. meaning are you know are you what are you engaging in you know you know uh, in the in the hour before you go to bed are no you, caffeine you know, yeah, eat a big old piece of chocolate cake no yeah, exactly. go to bed right. caffeine no being caffeine. on your device reading uh, reading and- Frustrating, uh, and, and upsetting al- email. Yeah, you know. and alcohol will interfere with REM sleep too. You know, uh, so some people watching Donald Trump try to uh, try to sleep for forty-five minutes. Go. Whatever. There you go again. <laughs> I might quote a prior Absolutely. president. That might help some people. Actually, might help some people sleep. <laughs> exactly. it, might, uh, it might keep them up. Um, but you no, know, no. So, so one of the things that we always focus on is is that sleep hygiene because you may have a good reason. For your sleep to be disturbed, but what happens in is after, even after that's gone, 
You know, you may have become ill or you may have had a very, very troubling, uh, you know, uh, situation. But even once it's gone, um, that the, the cause is gone, you, you are now in that pattern of insomnia. And you need to break that. You need to kind of develop those, those, those yeah. proper hygiene. Dr. Feifel, I feel so much better. Dr. Feifel, thank you well, for thank being you. our guest, one of the top doctors in the country, My national pleasure. lecturer, and it was an honor to have you here. Richard, great seeing you this week. My uh, pleasure. I'm going to sleep right after this. Wonderful. That's right. <laughs> Justin Hart, thanks for making his sound, sound terrific on the board. And uh, thanks to Craig Mike, our account executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius, here's KFMB. You have a great week, everybody. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iwymoney.com. See you next time. Bye-bye now. <laughs>